The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences. If you are not an adult, please do not let your parents know you're listening to this, and don't repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please drink responsibly. Now that we have all that covered, let's start the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 301 of this podcast. Where the hell have I been, right? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Groundhog Day. Happy Valentine's Day coming up pretty soon. I missed them all. Um, not really an excuse or a reason why other than you know the the mma world was a little bit slow for a little while a few weeks off um right off the bat in the new year today is sunday february 5th for anybody keeping track right off the bat in the new year uh went away to atlanta for about two weeks for work um i had to go with the family for for those who don't know run a family business so when i go away for work i'm usually with the family uh did a did a convention trade show there went really well had a great time um took my daughter all around atlanta went to the zoo the aquarium all uh, all amazing um facilities they have there it was pretty cold went and got myself bronchitis um either Right before I went or sometime during, I don't know, the timeline is all jumbled right now. But um, yeah, I couldn't do the podcast for a couple of weeks, had bronchitis, bad cough and chest congestion lasted about three weeks. Um, and, and even still, uh, I wake up in the morning a little mucusy. So whatever, whatever I came down with, I'm assuming it was bronchitis. Um it wasn't too pleasant on the old uh, Welker respiratory system here. Uh, so bounce back from that somewhere amidst all that uh, was my daughter's birthday. She turned five years old. If you can believe it, uh, it's hard for me to. Um, she's not a little baby anymore. Uh, this kid, you know, wakes herself up for school in the morning, gets herself dressed, makes herself breakfast. Uh, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, in any case, in case she goes back and, and watches the closest shows to her birthday, happy birthday, Ariana. Daddy loves you. You know, this, um, we had a big old birthday bash here in the neighborhood at a local park. Barbie came, there was a bounce house. I made whiskey punch for the, uh, for the adults, it was a good time, a great time, party of the year, I'd say. And that's what I've been up to. Um, you can see the beard has come in a lot longer since the last time I've been on the show. I feel like Tom Hanks in that movie. What was it called? Castaway. 
not just because he drew a grew a beard, but because by the end of the movie, he was like a shell of a man. His only friend was a volleyball. <clears throat> I'm in that same ballpark about now. What else? Uh, just uh, went to Disney World today. Went to Magic Kingdom. Had a great time. Woke up at 6 o'clock this morning. Drove out there. It's about an hour and a half drive, hour and 40 minutes or so. Um, wanted to take the kiddo for the first time this year. And just got back. It is 10.56 p.m. And I decided here on the east coast of the United States, I decided I've been putting off this podcast long enough. You know, I was in Atlanta and bronchitis and daughter's birthday. So much stuff going on. Um, couldn't put it off anymore. So here I am with a much longer beard. Uh, much more exhausted probably than the last time you saw me, but, um, you know, I, I miss doing this. This is, this is something that I really enjoy. Um, I will admit to you, I, I did get, I did feel a little stifled with the podcast for a little while, you, you know, just because everybody's doing podcasts. Now, when I started doing this, there was like, there were like five MMA podcasts or so. And I've seen thousands of them come and go ever since then. And now it's like every retired fighter has a podcast. Every other active fighter has a podcast. Broadcasters have podcasts. Everybody's. And it, for, a, for a while, it's starting to feel like uh, so saturated. And I'm like, what, am I just spinning my wheels here? But then I had to remind myself that I do this because I enjoy it, not because I'm looking to produce some unique niche content here. Um, I, I do feel like I do a little bit different than everybody else. I haven't seen anybody else really with the with the whiskey spin on it. So still feel pretty original there. Pretty proud about that. Um, speaking of whiskey. Last time I spoke to you guys, which was last year, way back in 2022. Remember 2022? That was a fun year, huh? A lot of stuff happened then. Um, I gave you guys a whiskey advocate uh, top 20 of the year. I gave you my opinion on it. The number one uh, turned out to be Jack Daniels bonded. And I wholeheartedly disagreed with that. I am currently drinking what was my number one bottle that I found personally in 2022. And it is Elijah Craig single barrel, private barrel. This is a store pick from Lucan's, which is a, a local liquor store here in the Tampa Bay area. Rick Allen says, you put a whiskey spin on everything because you're a degenerate alcoholic, bro. That's so thoughtful. I love when people take the time to put effort into insults like that. Um, and I'm not even saying you're wrong. Anyway, Elijah Craig. So this Lucan's Private Barrel is absolutely amazing. 
It is 128.5 proof. Uh, super strong, uh, but it drinks like it's under 100 proof. Just silky smooth. Big on the caramel, marshmallowy, vanilla, all that good stuff that you like from bourbon on a front end. Very little burn to it for such a high proof bourbon. You just can't go wrong with an Elijah Craig single barrel. So any any one you come across, I always say grab it if it's reasonably priced. But this was my absolute number one uh, bottle that I I came across in 2022. Um, and I always say you can't you can't go wrong with um, can't go wrong with Elijah Craig. They just they just whatever they're doing. They do it really well, and they do it consistently. So there's that. Um, as far as the Jack Daniels bonded goes, um, you know, it's 30 bucks. It, it Try it and see for yourself. You know, if you want to spend the 30 bucks, 35 bucks, whatever it happens to be in your area, if you don't like it, you know, throw it in some soda or something um, or serve it to your guests. But, you know, it's definitely worth checking out for the price point. It, it's nothing that will blow you away, but 30 bucks can't go wrong. All right. Let's see all of that. All of that. Um, yeah. So here I am 11 o'clock at night and I decide I've been putting this podcast off long enough. Had a great day with the family. Uh, woke up at six, drove out to Orlando, put in like 22,000 steps walking around Disney. Um, but my daughter had a great time. It was really like a perfect day. And then she fell asleep in the car on the way home, changed her into her pajamas before we left the park and um, fell asleep in the car and put her right to bed and, She'll be good to go for school in the morning. Um, so, yeah, it's been a long day, folks. I'm not going to lie. I'm not looking for any sympathy or anything like that. I'm just, you know, I'm just catching up with you all. I can't see any of you, but I can just tell that you all look fantastic. And it's good to be back doing this again. <clears throat> Big cheers for my buddy, Matt Temple. Cheers, my friend. Rick Allen, who I have a feeling is formerly Bruce Bogtrotter, says, why don't you drink proper 12 like a real MMA fan? Well, I would. Send me a bottle, Rick. I'll drink it. <laughs> Speaking of proper 12, I wasn't going to go here uh, right off the bat, but it was just announced that Conor McGregor is going to be coaching the next season of The Ultimate Fighter against Michael Chandler, and then they're going to fight at the end of it. Um, you, you know, a lot of people have mixed feelings about this. You know, a lot of people are like, why do they keep rewarding Conor McGregor and giving him stuff when he doesn't win fights and he acts like an asshole in his personal life? Um, and, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong for thinking that. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But... Um, you know, he brings in viewers. 
there's no denying that you know even even the people who are mad at him are going to tune in to see him hopefully embarrass himself or you know something to that effect and i have to say the last season that connor coached which i believe was season 22 happens to be one of my favorite seasons my buddy billy quarantello was on that season and it was just super entertaining it was connor mcgregor and uh uriah faber and the banter they had back and forth was just was just awesome it was it was very lighthearted um just ball breaking humor which happens to be my favorite kind of humor um i always say that the the best friends you could have are ones that you can just insult and nobody, nobody gets in their feelings about it. They just give it right back to you. Um, and, and there were some intense moments on that season as well. Um, but for the most part, like my favorite memories were when they would just be like standing behind the door, uh, waiting to walk out and the cameras were just rolling and they were just cracking each other's balls back and forth. That's that that's super entertaining to me. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of great fighters came out of that season as well too. So let's see. I don't know. What do you guys think? You guys happy about uh, Chandler and McGregor? There was, there was talk. It was going to be Tony Ferguson. I, I think what the UFC is doing here is they want to set Connor up with a marquee fight, which Chandler is. Chandler's a big name now. Uh, you know, he was kind of a big name before he came over from Bellator, and he he's made a splash in the UFC. You know, say what you will about his fight IQ and the fact that he fights with reckless abandon and he's fighting more to entertain than to win the fights. Um you know, he has succeeded. He's been entertaining. Um, his fights with with Gaethje and Poirier, um, you, you know, some of the most exciting fights we've seen in recent years. <clears throat> so, yeah, it makes sense. And they want to give him, they also want to give him a fight that's winnable, which, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people probably think, Chandler is is going to demolish Conor McGregor, but remember Chandler's the kind of guy who likes to get into a slugfest, and that that plays into Conor McGregor's strength as a counter striker. Um, not to mention Conor McGregor is going to have six weeks or whatever it is to get into Chandler's head and get him fired up and get him emotional, um, which is not going to play to his advantage. Um, now, look, if you took them skill for skill and Michael Chandler put together a smart game plan, which would be to pressure Connor up against the cage, clinch with him um, and and take him down and just make him carry his weight for a while and then start putting hands on him. Yeah, I would say Michael Chandler would be a huge favorite, but the odds of that happening, especially after six weeks of of torment from Connor or or whatever it is. I, I don't even know how long Ultimate Fighter is. Twelve weeks? Six weeks? Eight weeks? I don't know. Multiple weeks of of uh 
you know, verbal assault and, and getting upset and, you know, Connor will bring your family into it and everything else um, just to get under your skin. So that'll be entertaining. That'll get a lot of people interested in ultimate fighter again. Uh, Cause the last few seasons, let's face it, they've been lackluster and the ultimate fighter is one of those things that pretty much saved MMA. You know, the UFC was ready to go bankrupt or whatever it was until they got that deal with Spike TV. <clears throat> um, and, uh, you know, of course, that famous fight with Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner uh, that got everybody roped in, got the ratings. And then the rest is history, as they say. Uh, so give me your thoughts. Let me know in the comments what you think. Uh, is it a smart move putting Connor and Chandler on the ultimate fighter? Would you have rather seen two other coaches? You know, uh, I think a lot of people were hoping for Colby Covington, uh, to come back in that way. Who knows what's going on with that guy? Uh, he just kind of fell off the face of the earth ever since the incident with Mosby doll outside that restaurant in Miami or wherever it was. Um, it doesn't seem like he's going to be fighting anytime soon. So there's that. I'm all over the place. I'm aware. But um, let's talk about some fights because there were some fights last night. I, I'll tell you guys the truth. I did not catch all of them. Let me get this stuff up on the screen here and we'll talk. I'm a, Truthfully, I'm more excited to talk about the upcoming fights. Um, than I am the fights that have taken place. Although I want to, I want to go over some stuff from the past few weeks as well. So this was UFC fight night, Vegas 68. I think UFC Vegas 68, UFC fight night 218. I don't know. However, you're keeping track. Sergey Spivak against uh, Derek Lewis. And Yeah, I mean, I guess there's no there's no other way to put it other than like Derek Lewis doesn't really seem to have the fire for this anymore. Um you know, his his balls didn't even seem lukewarm in this fight. But I I love the strategy from Spivak. Um you know, he got right in Derek Lewis's face took him down, went for a foot sweep, uh, and then a trip, got him to the ground, and then Matt returned him, like, what, seven or eight times? Because Derek Lewis is notorious for just getting up when people take him down. And Spivak just rode the wave and just Matt returned after Matt returned. And that, that last one, he just grabbed him with a head and arm and threw him to the mat. It's not... That... That last one was not anything technical. It was just like Derek Lewis was tired of standing up. So he was like, all right, I'm just going to go down. And then got him in that head and arm. And uh, I'm sure it was tight. Uh, but the fact that Derek tapped so quickly. And I want to be careful about how I say this. The fact that he tapped so quickly said that he wanted to be out of there. You know, he wasn't liking the way things were going. <clears throat> a head and arm choke. 
an arm triangle, whatever you want to call it, is typically a slow choke. It's not it's not the kind of thing that's like, oh, this hurts right away. I, I need to tap and get out of this. It's, it, you know, it, it will put you out slowly. And I'm sure it was tight. I'm sure it was uncomfortable. Um, but it, I don't know what else to say. It's just not a submission that is a quick one. Um, but this one was. So, yeah. Sergey Spivak over Derek Lewis, round one. Um, for me, I would like to see Spivak against Tom Aspinall. I don't know what's going on with that dude, how his, how his leg is feeling, but um, that would be a fun fight. Just, uh, you know, the, the wrestling and the jujitsu of Aspinall against the the judo and the jujitsu of Spivak, that's an interesting fight to me. It could end up just being a stand-up battle. Um, but again, I don't know what Aspinall's deal is. Spivak is a problem, man. <coughs> we got a lot of these heavyweights right now. Spivak and Pavlovich. Um, guys that, you know, they're not big on the whole marketing end of the fight game, but they can they can fucking fight, man. I'm just gonna breeze over a lot of this to be honest with you. So if you came here for like a full breakdown of this fight night, like I'm sorry, this this shit came on at at two o'clock in the morning or or whatever it was my time. And I've been at Disney World all day, so I watched what I could. Devin Clark unanimous decision over Da Woon Jung. Marcin Tabora, uh, unanimous decision over Blagoy Ivanov. Not a big surprise there. Uh, that's that's kind of how I saw that one going, but uh, let me know if that was a good fight. This one I plan to watch. Duho Choi and Kyle Nelson go to a draw. I don't know what happened there. Uh, I'm assuming this was a great fight. Again, full disclosure, I, I missed most of the main card, um, and, and I watched most of the prelims. So... I'll give you what I got on this stuff. Uh, first round knockout for Adam Fujit against Yusako Kinoshida. TKO with elbows. Keith Peterson on the stoppage there, so you know it's got to be legit. And Shul Jubilee. TKO in the second round over Jekka Asperito Saragi. So my understanding was a lot of this card was um, fighters who are not yet under contract with the UFC. It was, this was like the finale of some, some tournament or, or reality show. I don't know. They, fill in the blanks for me here, guys. What, what was going on with this card? Um, I could tell you, uh, who was very impressive on this was Rinya Nakamura with that 33 second knockout over Toshiomi Kazama. If you missed that one, um, and you can spare 30 seconds, go, go back and, and give that one a look. Cause man, <clears throat> that kid is lightning quick. 
And then the rest of these were finishes, um, but I'm not familiar with any of these athletes, really. Um, that's not true. Jun Yong Park, uh, I am familiar with. He had a very impressive performance over Dennis Tallulah and just beat the fuck out of him uh, for four minutes until uh, he decided to choke him out. Very impressive performance by Jun Yong Park there. All right. Have you had enough? Good. Let's move on. So, man, I'm so excited for this card. UFC 284. In Perth, Western Australia. At the Rack Arena. And this main event is is interesting in a lot of ways. When this fight was announced, I wasn't, I didn't have like a crazy appetite for it. But as we've gotten closer and as I've started to break it down in my head, I've become more interested in it. Here's what's confusing to me. Is that a lot of websites, including the UFC, I believe, has Alexander Volkanovsky ranked as the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Those same websites will have <clears throat> Islam Makachev as a two-to-one or three-to-one favorite in this fight. <clears throat> Can anyone explain this to me? If Volkanovsky is the number one pound-for-pound fighter, why is he a three-to-one or a two-to-one underdog moving up one weight class. Can anyone explain that? Like it, if, if you're an MMA website or you're making odds or, or both, you're an MMA website that makes odds. Why would you put a guy at number one pound for pound and then say he's a big underdog moving up one weight class? I, I don't understand this mentality. Now let's look at, Makashev's record here. I know this guy's a beast. I know he's big. I know he's got the grappling. I know he's vicious. I want to take a look at Adriano Martin or Martins, who has the only win over Makachev. And you know, his record is not stellar. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like he won a fight since beating Makachev. But if we look at his record here, now who has given Islam the most trouble in the UFC? It's gotta be Armand Saryukian. Who happens to be probably the smallest fighter he's fought. Five foot seven. And he's young. He was 26 when they fought. Uh, I mean, he's 26 now. And that was almost four years ago. So when you say that, if you say that the size is going to be a factor, that, that doesn't do it for me. Right? Yeah, Makachev is bigger. Look who gave him the most trouble. 
the smallest guy he's fought. Now, like a lot of people like to throw around phrases like size advantage or reach advantage. And when it comes to grappling and wrestling in particular, size is not necessarily an advantage. You know, if you're trying to take somebody down, you need to get you need to get in on a body lock. You need to get under their hips. And it, it's actually harder to do against a smaller guy. Now, if the bigger guy gets you down and gets on top, then it's trouble. It, nobody wants to be stuck under this guy. Then you have to look at the speed. Obviously, Volkanovski is going to have a speed advantage here. Being the smaller guy coming up, um, I'm assuming he's going to, you know, put on the weight the right way. You know, is Makachev going to be able to catch him and pin him down? Is he going to be able to get him up against the cage? You know, we're not dealing with an apex cage. This is a full-size cage here. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you Volkanovski is going to win. I'm just trying to give you a full spectrum of perspectives. I think Volkanovski poses a lot of problems for Makachev. For sure. The other thing he brings to the table is absolute mastery in coming up with and executing game plans. You know, this dude, like, he's so disciplined in and out of the cage. You know, he comes up with a plan, and 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 this is credit to his coaches as well. Um, obviously, they're good at producing champions over there at City Kickboxing. But um, as far as in the cage, it's all on him. You know, he's able to follow through the, with those game plans and stick to them and and not venture off from what his coaches are telling him and also make adjustments when he needs to. The other thing he's bringing in is just grit and toughness, which is, you know, what everyone knows champions are made of <clears throat> and he's beaten guys bigger than him you got coach Bill Eastlick here saying Makachev is big he's a grappler and he's tough so is T-City it's true T-City was bigger than Volkanovski Holloway was bigger than Volkanovski both of those guys can grapple. Now, I don't want to make this one-sided. Islam Makhachev is an absolute beast. 
you know, the, the stories you hear about him in the gym and, and just to play devil's advocate with myself, because I was just saying how Saryukian gave him his toughest fight in the UFC. I've heard from people who were in the gym with him that he had food poisoning or something. He was sick, like right before that fight. So maybe we can't put too much on that. But then at the same time, Saryukian was what, 22? At the time they fought, maybe 23. So smaller guy, younger guy, less experienced guy. Uh, still gave Makachev a run for his money. Now you have smaller guy, very experienced guy. Guy who's... I don't want to say perfect with the game plans, but... He sticks to them. Okay. Um, let's see. Rick Allen says, LOL, comparing Ortega's grappling with Islam's, you dumb dumb. No, I'm not comparing their grappling. I'm just saying they're both big and they're both grapplers. That's not comparing them. He also says, this is Rick Allen speaking again, Volk is a midget. I, I mean... How tall is Volkanovsky? I don't think he uh, quite fits the criteria of a midget. I don't even know what that, or a small person. Five foot six. I don't know if that's accurate. So he's he's listed as five foot six here, but when you see him next to some of these other guys, it seems like he might be a little smaller than that. And Makachev is five ten. Kind of what I thought. I I don't I don't honestly know which way to lean on this one. Because the other X factor is that Volkanovski just wins fights that he's not supposed to win. But Makachev just wins fights. <laughs> you know, this is like um it's interesting i don't know where are you guys leaning i i have a feeling i know where mark fellows is leaning um everybody else let me know what you're thinking and did i present anything that possibly you hadn't thought about before because that's all i'm looking to do here i'm not telling you what to do with your money or anything like that i'm not that guy you go listen to dan tom if you want to know what to do with your money that guy will tell you he's good with that stuff he knows all the odds and like parlays and uh, uh, go 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 listen to dan if you want to make bets don't listen to me uh, i'm just trying to uh create a little parody here all right co-main event i love this fight yeah you're rodriguez and josh emmett so i mean i'm sure these guys would be advocating that this should be an interim title fight um I love this fight. I mean, you got Josh Emmett, who's like the straightforward plotting. I'm I'm going to hit you with a shot and put you out. Like, you know what's coming. You know this right hand is coming. Try and stop it. Um, and he's just going to plot forward and try and make that happen. And Yair Rodriguez is the dynamic. I'm going to hit you with 
everything and some um, kind of striker. So I, I like this kind of matchup. I like the dynamic striker against the guy who utilizes the basics. Um, because the the flashy stuff is is great. I feel personally it's not as effective as you know just working the basics. Um, but you can't deny that you know there's proof that it's effective. You know, with one second left in a fight, when you throw like a spinning up uppercut backwards elbow, whatever you want to call that strike um, again, that he did against the Korean zombie and you know, the spinning wheel kicks and all of this. Um, Josh Emmett's got a hell of a chin too. Uh, so th this is a fun one. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that fight. Um, let's see. Jack Della Maddalena and Randy Brown. So Della Maddalena has been on a tear. Let's see. I don't want to say how many he's won in a row, but let's just pull it up real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one. All right. So he hasn't lost. Let's just put it this way. He hasn't lost since May of 2016. <laughs> uh so he lost his first two professional fights and has won every fight since then. Including three straight first round TKOs in the UFC. This is a tough customer. Um, however, Randy Brown will be a step up in competition for him. And Randy Brown has just been coming into his own. Like he's just been... 32 years old. He's right in his prime right now. Four fight winning streak. You know, he's been in there. His last loss was to Vicente Luque. Can't really hold that against him. You know, Luque is a stud. He's also got a loss to Nico Price and Bilal Muhammad. So, um, you know, he, he's only given up fights to elite guys. Last four fights, all wins. All reputable opponents. Now we're going to see if the home field advantage will work for Della Maddalena. You, you know, it goes one of two ways with guys. You know, sometimes they get that extra boost from the crowd and it really builds them up. It really fires them up. And sometimes the pressure gets to them. You know, they got friends and family calling them for tickets the week of the fight, the, the day of the weigh-ins, the day of the fight. Like, hey, Jack, let me get some tickets. It's a pain in the ass. And, and, and then you feel like everybody you've ever met is there watching you in person. Uh, that can get in some people's heads. Maybe it won't for Jack. You know, maybe he's one of these guys that just has um, like an iron like an iron will and it just doesn't phase him. I don't know. Uh, but it's something to consider. I, I think this is a, a really great fight. Both super tough welterweights. Madalena probably hits a little bit harder. Randy Brown might be a little more well-rounded. 
from what I can tell, fun fight. Justin Taffa and Parker Porter. You guys know what you're getting there. Like somebody's somebody's probably getting knocked out in that one. So, you know, that'll be fun. Jimmy Crute, been having a rough go of it lately. Uh, in there with Alonzo Menafield. You know, the the blueprint for Menafield is out there. You you gotta survive the first four minutes or so with him, but easier said than done. And if you look at Jimmy Crute as of late, yeah, back-to-back knockout losses, Anthony Smith and Jamal Hill, um, you know, Jamal Hill, the current champ. So, and we know how hard that guy hits, but still, you know, you're looking to redeem yourself from two first round knockout losses, uh, in front of the hometown crowd, that's a that's a lot of pressure, you know, especially when you're in there with a killer like Alonzo Menafield. So, uh, but you know, he's definitely got the skills to do that and to bounce back from that. This is going to be a great fight, Tyson Pedro and Modestus Bukowskis. This is the one. This is my pick, guys. This is the one I feel like. A lot of people are sleeping on. People aren't really talking about. How, how do you not get excited for this fight? These are two killers getting in there. That's going to be a fun one. Josh Coolibau and Melsic Bogdasarian. I like that fight too. Let's see. I'll jump around a little bit here. Jamie Malarkey against the undefeated Francisco Prado. I'm not too familiar with Prado, but he's 11 and 0, and he looks like Ivan Drago in his picture. So, 20 years old, unbelievable UFC debut. He's coming off of a first round knockout win. A lot of times when they bring in guys like this, like he's only 20, you know, they don't do this too often. They've got that other kid. Rosas, who's, uh, what is he, 19? This kid is 20. A lot of times when they bring in guys like this, it's because nobody will fight them. You know, that, it was kind of the story of Cain Velasquez. You know, the the coaches at AKA were went to Dana White and were like, listen, nobody will fight this guy. We I think he was like 4-0 and or 5-0 and or something. They're like, you got to put him in the UFC. Nobody else will fight him. Like you gotta force these UFC guys to fight him, so that's usually what happens. But Jamie Malarkey is a tough fucking dude, so that's gonna be a tough welcome for any twenty year old. I'll tell you that much. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Man, what are you guys thinking about this card? I keep going back and forth on this main event. I can't make up my mind on how it plays out. Like the eye test is like, yeah, Makachev is going to, is, is going to smash him. He's, he's so much bigger. His grappling, like uh, from what I hear, he throws around heavyweights in the gym over at AKA, but I don't know. Part of me feels like Volkanovsky wants this fight because he knows something that we don't.
He's beaten bigger guys. I'm not saying guys that are bigger than Makachev. I'm saying guys that are bigger than him. Guys who are grapplers. Nobody I can think of with the wrestling of Makachev. Let's see who would even be close. Take a look at Volkanovsky's records here. Oh, Chad Mendez. Okay. Oh, he has a win over Jamie Malarkey in AFC back in 2016. I did not know that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you guys again, I wasn't crazy about this fight when it was announced, but the, the closer we get to it, the more I can't wait. I think this is a really fun fight. Oh, man. Okay, what else? Real quick. You guys know I don't like talking about Bellator. But, uh, man, for old school MMA fans, it's been a sad few weeks. You know, we saw Shogun retire. We saw Glover Teixeira retire. And then last night, we saw Fedor Emelianenko retire. How old is Fedor? 46. All right. So he almost went as long as Randy Couture. Randy Couture fought till he was 47. It was really nice in theory, like what they did for him. I love the photo at the end when, when all these legends come in the cage Dan Henderson, Randy Couture, Josh Barnett, Rampage Jackson, Mark Coleman, Chael Sonnen. You know, it, it was awesome to see that. Henzo Gracie snuck in there. Um, awesome photo. But like. I just wish it could have happened under different circumstances, you know? Like, he, he got his ass handed to him by Ryan Bader. Like, this is, this is like your friends throw you a surprise engagement party, but, like, right before the party, you just found out your fiancé was cheating on you or something. So then you got to stand there and pose for the picture with all your friends like, Oh guys, thanks for doing this. Um, I'm having like one of the worst days of my life, but thank you all for being here. That, that's like, that's kind of the vibe I got when they did this. And, and at the same time, it was so awesome to see all these legends in one place. Like th this has never happened before. I don't, I don't remember this ever happening when a fighter retires, usually it's they retire and it's like, Oh man, that was really sad. That guy just got his ass beat. I, I've been watching his fights forever. And I remember it, you know, when he was a fucking killer and they don't have like, they don't have like a class reunion when guys retire. Is this going to be a thing now? Cause part of me likes it, you know, all these all these legendary fighters coming out and showing respect for another legend who's who's uh hanging up the gloves but 
the uh, there's another part of me that doesn't like I don't like retirement fights. You know, I feel like if you're already if you're saying I'm done after this, you're really saying I'm done. You know, you're saying I'm done doing that. I don't want to do this. It doesn't matter if you're saying I don't want to do this after this date. You're saying I don't want to do this. So why are we putting a date on it? You know, why why don't guys just hang it up outside of the cage? And, you know, maybe they feel like they need that swan song. They need that that last fight, that last competition, that they need to feel that one more time. But it sucks for us to see, you know, someone who you've grown to respect and admire and and really you really cherish like the work they put in throughout their career and and the things they accomplished and then to see it end like that the worst example has to be Chuck Liddell and that last fight he took with Tito Ortiz I I I couldn't even I couldn't even stomach watching it um So yeah, I'm torn. Um, I, I was I was a huge fan of Fedor. Huge. I used to, and this was before, you know, you could find fights on the internet. I used to, I used to buy Pride DVDs on eBay just so I could watch his fights. You know, and 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 don't get me wrong, he he had some. He had some ones mixed in there that were questionable. Obviously, in Japan, they were all about the show. So they would put him in there against, like, pro wrestlers, and they would put him in there in these, like, freak fights. Put him in there with, like, Bob Sapp and stuff just for... just for the... the entertainment of it. But... Then you had, like, if you look at this dude's record, man. I mean, for the longest time, his only loss was was uh, against Tsuyoshi Kosaka, and that was like he had a really bad cut, uh, and they had to stop the fight. But then you you look, um, Hanato Sobral, Babalu, um. Semi Schilt, who's like seven feet tall, beat that guy. Heath Herring, who was a killer back in the day. Nogara. Fujita, who was a super tough dude, took him down, submitted him, knocked out Gary Goodridge. Gary Goodridge was a fucking monster of a striker. Knocked him out with soccer kicks, submitted Mark Coleman. Kevin Randleman. I mean, I know this is the one everybody talks about, but the first time I saw this fight, it blew my fucking mind. Kevin Randleman picked Fedor up. I know you've all seen this fight, but let me condescend to you for a minute here for the sake of nostalgia and the last emperor retiring. Kevin Randleman picks him up and spikes him on his neck. This would have killed an ordinary human being. 
And like 30 seconds later, Randleman's tapping out. You guys remember Kevin Randleman? This guy was a monster. A monster. I've heard multiple people say, like, one of the strongest dudes they've ever trained with, ever fought, anything. This guy gets his hands on you like you're going for a ride. When you see the way Fedor landed, and if you stop the tape there and you ask somebody who's never seen it before what happens next, 10 out of 10 people would be like, that guy's dead. He, he just died right now. That's it. His neck is broken. It, it, best case scenario, he's going to be in a wheelchair the rest of his life. Then you hit play and you see him fucking roll over and grab Randleman's arm and make him submit. Get the fuck out of here. That was, that's one of the most unreal moments in MMA history. Let's see. Beat Noguera again. His fight with Crow Cop at Final Conflict 2005. I had this on DVD. I think I wore the DVD out. That fight is an absolute classic. Submitted Mark Coleman again. Submitted Mark Hunt. Submitted Matt Linland. Then there was like a weird time when they were trying to get him over to the UFC and there was like a language barrier and he was asking for things that were just insane. Like he wanted like, I forget the exact details, but he wanted like, if he was going to fight on a pay-per-view, he wanted like 100% of the pay-per-view profits, something like that. You know, they were trying to get him and Randy Couture to fight for the longest time, which was, it was the fantasy fight of everyone who was a fan at that time. You know, and there wasn't a lot of us. Everybody wanted to see that fight. Everybody wanted to see Randy and Fedor. And everybody was hoping that they would figure out a way to make it happen. But unfortunately, Dana White got screwed over, or the UFC got screwed over by sending fighters over to Pride. And then Pride was supposed to return the favor, and they never did. So from that point, the UFC decided they're never going to cross-promote with anyone. So, and, and I think Randy Couture was suing the UFC. Like, he wanted to leave the UFC to go and fight Fedor. Like, he wanted this fight to happen. So Randy couldn't leave. Fedor couldn't come in. And uh, we never got it. 2009, he knocks out Andre Arlovsky in Affliction. I don't know if you remember Affliction. Affliction was a t-shirt brand. Um, and they wound up putting on like two or three MMA fights. They tried to get in the promoting business, but they wound up paying the fighters too much, and and they went under. Um, but the events they put on were excellent. They put on some great fights. Then Fedor comes over to Strike Force. Beats up Brett Rogers, who was a monster in Strike Force back in the day. That dude was a scary heavyweight. Then 
comes the moment in 2010 that shocked the world. Fabricio Verdum, who had been cut by the UFC after he lost to Junior Dos Santos, I believe, submits Fedor in June of 2010. The crowd goes silent. Nobody could believe that shit. This guy just got cut by the UFC. How could he beat Fedor? Fedor was invincible. Everybody who was a fan at this time believed like nobody could touch this dude. He's just gonna he's just gonna mow through everybody forever. Hand speed, incredible. Takedowns, incredible. Submissions, incredible. Such an athletic dude for such a dad bod. How do you not love Fedor? In any case, Fedor, thank you for everything. I mean, after that, he went, to, he went on to fight another 13 years. Are you kidding me? Crazy. Knocked out Rampage Jackson just a few years ago. Man, thanks, Fedor. All right. I got a few more things I want to talk about. I've been going almost an hour here. I'm getting delirious. I'm exhausted. Um, but... Let's bring this back to just my face. You guys can look at this the rest of the time, those of you who are uh, watching on YouTube. By the way, if you're not watching on YouTube or Facebook or one of these things, please subscribe and uh, turn on notifications so you can find out when the show goes live once every two months or, or whatever it is. I, I know I haven't been that consistent, but uh, I'm going to make this a priority again. I'm going to get back in the swing of things here. Start bringing you guys content. I'll, I'll start booking some guests and stuff. And I don't know, whatever you want to hear. I'm just telling you that I'm telling you whatever you want to hear. <laughs> Same thing I do with my wife. It doesn't work out so well. Um, I want to tell you some names because obviously I've been doing episodes in the last few weeks. I want to tell you some names of some people that have really impressed me over the last few weeks. The top of my list is Jamal Hill. Um, becoming the light heavyweight champ, taking a fight on, sh on uh, short notice against an absolute legend in Glover Teixeira, and winning the way he did by beating him over five rounds. I think a lot of people thought, Jamal was going to win, but I think they thought it would be by knockout. You know, they thought maybe if Glover can get through two rounds, two and a half rounds, um, then he would be able to take Jamal down and take control of the fight. And, um, you know, it was reasonable to think that at the time. Now we know Jamal can go five hard rounds without a championship training camp. So not only does this guy have devastating knockout power he's got heart heart of a champion he's got skills 
on the ground to survive against a top shelf Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt like Glover Teixeira and stop a lot of his takedowns. But, you know, he survived getting mounted by Glover in that fifth round. I got to say, Jamal Hill really impressed the hell out of me. You know, he, he showed uh, a, a completely different level um, to his abilities in that fight and became the champ. And now there's a lot of fun things that can happen in that division. You know, we have Yuri Prohaska. If he's healthy, he can come back. They can fight. We have Alex Perea. You know, Perea was sizing up Jamal Hill right after Jamal Hill beat up his mentor. So you, you got a built-in storyline there. Perea is fucking huge. He doesn't need to stay at 185. But he's given Adesanya the rematch, so we're going to get to see that. I don't know how to feel about that. Let's cross that bridge when we get to it. And then... You know, you still have um, Jan Blahovich running around, right? Just coming off of that draw. What do you do with him? Riddle me that. And Let's see. Yeah, coming off of that draw with Ankalaev. So what do you do with those two? You you gonna run that fight back? I don't know. Light heavyweight's exciting right now. And and I gotta tell you, my dream fight right now is Yuri Prohaska and Alex Padea. I'm not saying I want Jamal Hill to lose the title or anything like that. I'm just saying that's a fight I wanna see. I don't care if it's for a belt. I don't care how it comes together. I don't care what weight class it's at. It's just something I need in my life. And I will look forward to the day that fight is announced. Somebody please make a clip of this right now and save it somewhere and send it back to me uh, when that fight is announced because I'm not so great at doing that stuff. But, man, how great would that fight be? I would be... I would be so excited for that fight if that was announced. All right, so back to my list of fighters that have impressed me over the last few weeks that I haven't been talking to you guys about uh, MMA. Uh, Jaelton Almeida, holy shit, this guy just throwing around heavyweights like they're nothing. Here's a guy who, by all rights, should be a light heavyweight, but you can't argue with the results he's had at heavyweight. Throwing around a guy like Shamil Abdurahimov and, and just, just throwing him like a sack of potatoes, finishing him in the second round. Man, I, I want to see this guy move up quick. Um, there, there's a lot of interesting matchups at heavyweight for him. Um, I, I, say, I say throw him right to the Lions. Let, let's get Almeida and Curtis Blades. Like, let's just book that. You know? Don't do a slow build with this guy. Let's just... Let's play it like a heater, as they say in Vegas. A um, couple of other names for you. Ismael and 
and Gabriel Bonfim, these brothers, man, super impressive. Ismael with that knockout of Terrence McKinney and Gabriel with that nasty tight guillotine. Um, these two guys are going to be a problem in their respective divisions. And uh, they impressed the hell out of me. That knockout of Terrence McKinney was so vicious. And I I don't know the reason, but people seem to have mixed feelings about him on social media. And I don't know. I don't know what he's done or what he said, but I, I guess he's rubbed people the wrong way. And, and people want to see him fail for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know what he did. You know, if there's something you feel like I need to be enlightened on, feel free to message me about it or, or put it in the comments. Um, but there are people who do not want to see this kid succeed. I enjoy watching Terrence fight. I think he's exciting. I think he's talented. He's explosive. Um, and, and I think he's learning on the job as well. Because he has this ability to touch people and they fall down. Um, which can kind of be to your detriment because if you end up relying on that and, and you don't have a plan B and C and D, you can get yourself in some trouble. And man, he, he was put in a, in a bad situation with Ismael Bonfim because he got his mouthpiece knocked out and then, he, you know, took that big knee to the face where, you know, if it's, if it's a few inches like one way or the other, he's eaten through a straw for the next however many months. Uh, Dan Ige. Dan Ige impressed the hell out of me in his last performance. Man. Um, for a guy who, I don't want to say he's undersized for that division, but, you know, he he's definitely... He's definitely smaller than a lot of the guys at 145. And the way he put out Damon Jackson, um, you know, he displayed the kind of power that is not so common at 145 pounds. Not a lot of guys have that kind of knockout power. So I was super impressed with him. And then um, the last one I have on my list here, I wanted to give you guys five. And I'm counting the Bonfim brothers as, as one. They both impressed me. They're brothers. They were on the same card. Let's just go with it. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov with that knockout of Hani Barcelos. So, man, this, this dude, like, who's going to want to fight this guy? Because not only do you have to worry about the grappling, obviously, you know, with the last name, we know he can grapple. We know what he can do there. Now you got to worry about the guy knocking you unconscious before he takes you down. It, or if he decides to take you down. Now we know this guy's got nasty striking too. <sighs> Honorable mention for Sean Strickland. And I wasn't so so much impressed with his performances as much as he agreed, you know, he fought back to back main events, which I don't, I don't think anybody's ever done before, you know, not since, not since like back in the day when 
there would only be pay-per-views like every three months. Like maybe somebody did it back then, but not like weeks apart main events. Like he was in there with Cannoneer and then like two weeks later, he's in there again. So, yeah. Oh, well, it's been a hell of a day. I got to tell you because you know I was at I was at Disney all day um had a great time with the fam again and the last thing I have to tell you about is that I had the opportunity um thanks to my friend Brandon Lee who's been on the podcast before you guys may remember I had the opportunity again last night to judge some amateur MMA fights in Clearwater for Vigilant MMA, Super Brawl 3. And I always have a great time. I'm starting to get to know these local fighters. Um, it, and then there's a lot of fighters and, and coaches. Like, you know, MMA is a pretty small community. If you If you train MMA, like, you pretty much know the people around you who train MMA. But... I'm getting exposed to these young fighters, um, kickboxers and Muay Thai fighters and Sanshao fighters and MMA fighters and their coaches um, through this experience with judging for Vigilant. And it's it's been a great experience for me as, I don't know if I'd call myself an analyst, but for someone who talks about MMA on a regular basis and has been critical of judges in the past. It's been a great experience for me to be able to be in that hot seat and judge fights. Um, and I appreciate it every time. Um, <clears throat> so last night I was cage side for vigilant MMA super brawl three in Clearwater, Florida. Thanks again to Brandon Lee for inviting me uh, to be a part of this. And uh, for the second time in a row, I'm there with my clipboard, um, you know, writing my notes and, and judging the fights. And I end up with blood splattered all over it. And a lot of people would be grossed out by that. I think it's fantastic. This happened the last time I was judging fights for Vigilant. And I don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not like a proponent of violence. Like I need to see blood. Or I want to see somebody get battered and, and bloodied up. Um, these were both, both times this happened. These were both like fair fights, very evenly matched fights. And just, you know, there happened to be a lot of blood. Um, so exciting. Uh, such a fun time. Uh, the main event was a young man by the name of Caleb Nelson. I got to give a shout out to him. He had a win over another young man, David Perluisi. This was a 125 pound uh, MMA fight. It was not supposed to be the main event, but the, the original main event fell through. So these two young men stepped up. And uh, Caleb had a great performance. He, he showed a lot of grit, a lot of toughness. It was only a second fight. He's fighting in a main event. For a promotion like Vigilant, that's a big deal. Um, 
and he got in some bad spots. Like he was in a really tight triangle in the third round. And to be honest, I, I thought he's probably going to submit there and the fight was going to be over, but he wound up getting out of it. Um, good cornering from his coaches. Got out, got on top, finished the fight on top, and um, you know wound up winning the unanimous decision. Uh, so credit to him, and and there was a lot of exciting fights on this card as well. So um, check out Vigilant MMA if you're into uh, if you're someone who just likes to watch fighting, like no matter what it is, like you if there's fighting on, you'll watch it. Um, you know, follow them on social media. They, they post some funny memes and stuff as well. We'll get you the handle here. It's vigilant underscore MMA. Um, so yeah, local MMA. And uh, a lot of these fighters are sponsored by team Reaper who also happens to make the merchandise for this very podcast. So if you want to grab yourself an over-the-top, under-the-influence tank top hoodie or t-shirt, you can do so at reaper1.co. You can use my promo code. It's MMARocks10. That's M-M-A-R-O-C-K-S-1-0. Save yourself 10% on your entire order, whether you buy the podcast merchandise or not. Promo code is still good, as far as I know. Um so there's that, and um, there's the fact that I have missed all of you dearly while I have been traveling and while I have been coughing my lungs up um, <laughs> with bronchitis or whatever it is I had, and while I've been celebrating my daughter's birthday and going to Disney World and judging amateur MMA fights and growing a beard and everything else that's been going on in my life, just know that I have truly missed doing this. Um, I plan to make it a regular thing again. Um, and for those of you who believe me and those of you who have listened to this entire episode and the other 300 episodes before it, I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you all. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.